welcome to a new episode in Quadrita Podcast Exploring the Multiverse series. In this episode, I, Maor Sadra, CEO at Incremental and your host, interview Alex Bauer, Head of Product at Branch. Alex is a well-known thought leader and I had a great time speaking with him about the end of the App Store, the reversal of privacy and his whereabout on the 27th of March. It was awesome speaking with Alex and I hope you'll enjoy listening to our conversation. of 27th of March. 27th of March? I would have to look at my calendar. I use a calendar, so I don't have to remember that kind of thing. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm saying because I, <laughs> I told you I'm not going to entrap you. I'm just going to ask you some hard questions. <laughs> okay. That would, the answer to that would be, let me check my calendar. That was a Indeed. Monday at the evening of Monday. I was at home. Okay. Probably doing some internal meetings over Zoom. Uh, no, actually, I think in the evening on the 27th, I was probably cooking dinner. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So, uh, Alex, I think it took us a while to schedule this since you got promoted um, be- between like me initially pinging you and then this happening. Uh, the timing, uh, it was coincidentally horrific. Yes, because we were all excited <laughs> about doing this podcast and it was scheduled. And I think it was the same week that it was scheduled. Then suddenly a lot of pieces started moving around that I, I pretty quickly realized uh, I won't be in a good mental space to be answering Mara's questions if I do this right now. I'm glad we were able to find a time yeah. that was a little bit later. Same here. I'm, I'm very uh, grateful uh, you're with me. The last time I saw you was in Berlin, right? App Growth Summit. That's right. That was that was the battle of the MMPs app growth. Was it the battle? I remember I it, it well. A, I think it was a really cool panel. I think people for sure categorized it as a battle. And everyone, uh, to be fair, again, we hyped it to be. But it was a really, really friendly, awesome conversation, I thought. I thought it was a friendly and awesome conversation, too. I think the reason that people are framing it as a battle is because that's what it was on the agenda. So people just took the agenda at face value. By the way, uh, next week I'm in uh, Berlin again for Upgrowth Summit. This time I'm interviewing there Andreas Neumann, which made the shift from Adjust to Apps Flyer. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah. I will definitely Appa- listen to that interview. Apparently health rose over. Anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome to the pod. It's great to have you here. Uh, would you give the listener an introduction about yourself, what you do, what your company does? Absolutely. And it's an honor to be here with you. I think the honor is bi-directional. So I am Alex Bauer. I am, as we were discussing earlier, just a moment ago, recently the head of product at Branch. Branch is a company that does a bunch of things, to be honest, but we often get bucketed into this market category of, you know, mobile measurement provider, which is the, uh, the, the vendor that's going to help you understand where all of your paid spend is coming from and where you should be allocating things and making sure that you have this unbiased view of what is working in your paid campaigns. Branch didn't originally come to the market from the paid campaign perspective, though. So that is the area where we often end up playing today. But actually, our background is more in the user experience and deep linking. part. So we originally came out of the needs of our founders who had an app and they were trying to find ways to scale it that weren't just get featured by Apple 
or spend a lot of money to buy users. They wanted to apply a lot of the same marketing techniques that had been possible pre-app, you know, email marketing, social media referrals, uh, incentivized referral programs. So you invite your friends, even things like content sharing, where you just send a link to somebody and they, they come into the app. That was really difficult from a technical perspective. And they built a lot of these solutions to market and grow their own app. So pretty quickly, they realized, actually, this is a generalizable problem. This is something that a lot of app developers are facing. We should go build a platform that helps them get the same sort of benefits we've seen. It's, you know, it's sometimes crazy to think about it because like, like I've been in this uh, like marketing world for, for a little while now. Um, and it's crazy how many what you would think is like basic functionalities weren't there um, in the beginning. And that actually gave birth to so many massive companies like these days. Of course, again, you had features that kind of ended up getting baked in by the apps or sorry, by the OS. Um, mm. But things that are like so basics, again, if you come from web uh, days, then this would be kind of like one-on-one. I think that's true. And it's, uh, it's easy to forget how much of this is just I mean, I almost think of it like the original sin of the mobile app store is that it's a walled garden. And from the perspective of we want to easily open up our app to the rest of the world, a walled garden has some challenges. There are a lot of benefits too. Like I, I'm sure none of us wants to go back to the age of Windows 95 when we were petrified to click on any link or download absolutely anything. The idea of just installing an app without antivirus software or a complete understanding of who's behind the app. That is a very beneficial thing of the walled garden app store model that we have today, but it does make it challenging to bring users across the walls into your app. If you're trying to do it in any way that isn't just go to the app store and do a search and hope you find what you're looking for. So this idea of the links don't work the same way as they did on the internet. I mean, the idea that on the internet, you can go to that URL bar in your browser and you can hit command C and then you can go to your email with your friend and hit command V and you've shared something. The fact that that paradigm doesn't exist on mobile apps or at least didn't in the beginning, I think was a lot more disruptive than most people realized for a long time. Oh, and yes, yeah, the, the OSs support it now more than they used to, but it's still nothing like as easy as it was with the web. By the way, you had me thinking of the fact So I had an iPhone 1, like 2007, I want to say. Uh, that did not have an App Store. I also had an app, yeah. an iPhone 3. I'm pretty sure I had this like um, third-party Cydia, like, like Cydia was yes. this like app store for random apps, but it was not official. It was an Apple. Um, it's interesting. Maybe Apple never wanted the app store. Oh, that's an interesting multiversal question. Did Apple <laughs> actually want the app store? I remember reading some uh, some fascinating thought leadership at some point. I could dig it up around this. But we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get to this. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, Alex. Um, so the podcast is all about hypotheticals. So you can really, really feel free to go wild with your thoughts because these are likely never gonna happen. And the whole idea is to interview people who come with like thought leadership experience or just experts in the industry and see what they think of these like wild questions. 
Ah, so it means you're not going to hold me accountable if none of these no, predictions no, come true. No, no, you can go wild. Yeah, <laughs> you can go completely wild. There um, we go, so, fun. Cool. So let's go for the first one. I think uh, this one might be close to heart. Um, what if Apple tomorrow morning announces, you know what? We're reversing the ATT decision. A lot of developers have been complaining. Facebook put an ad and then like it really like struck a chord with us two years later. Uh, we're going to undo ATT. That is a fantastic hypothetical question. Uh, the likelihood of that is zero, and we're being generous <laughs> if we say it's zero. Apple's entire market position today is just based on this idea of privacy and, and protection of user data. So I think if they were to do a 180 on this, they would be basically tarred and feathered in consumer media for reverting the decision. And to be honest, they'd probably do deserve that given how aggressive and proactive they have been about their messaging around this over the last two years but let's say hypothetically Apple wakes up tomorrow morning and they they make the case that you've said let's see how would it affect different companies in the ecosystem I think I mean it would be kind of like removing the emission standards for the auto industry or something <laughs> a lot of a lot of companies yes you could do a lot more if you didn't have to wonder about how you're complying with those regulations and do i wish apple were more in tune with like the way the ecosystem is working yes has this shift been very disruptive and short-term painful also yes do i wish that like the tracking replacements that they've provided in the forms of things like sk ad network were a little bit more nuanced and sophisticated yes absolutely yes but i don't think it would actually be a good idea at this point to rewind the last two years and go back to you know quote unquote the good old days there were plenty of issues back then too so who would be most affected uh in this hypothetical situation I think it would be any company that took Apple at its word so far and was trying to invest in this paradigm shift in a way that actually makes it possible for them to, to continue doing business. If Apple were to unwind these last two years, those investments would be not relevant anymore. And these good actor companies would be at a disadvantage compared to people who were trying to hang on to the old world for longer. So you kind of end up incentivizing a lot of uh, slightly undesirable behavior. I'm going to ask you a contro not a controversial. I'm going to ask you a weird question. So um, obviously, so like my company, Incremental, like we launched around the same time Apple announced. We just got lucky mm -hmm. in terms of timing. But to be fair, I like measuring for incrementality for me was always something I wanted to do. And it's never been against MMPs. But mm -hmm. we look at the last two years, there's, there's a lot of hype around both incrementality and MMM, which are different. I don't want to go into that now, but quite different. Do you think the hype would go away? I think I'm a big fan of what you're doing with incremental. And that is a perfect example of what would happen if you took away the emission standards. <laughs> like people have started being aware of why incrementality testing has always been important, but was something they could ignore because there was a nice way to sweep it under the rug with very detailed last touch data. And the reason that they're considering it now is because the much simpler alternative is now no longer so simple. 
So if you bring back that simpler alternative, I think everybody's just going to sort of run back to the candy jar and they're going to forget about eating the broccoli. So in this case, it would not be a very good thing for incrementality across the board. By the way, I both appreciate the answer and also sorry to have put you on the spot. But, you know, I sometimes I sometimes think that I'm um, maybe uh, not what's the word I'm looking for. I'm not self-serving enough and I'm maybe slightly too honest with customers where I basically say for these use cases, no, last touch is going to be the best answer. You don't need anything else for that. I will sometimes mm. be maybe too honest with our customers, which sometimes I think would be also your customers. Uh, in saying it's not a if or it's a it's a this end it's an end mm. end end and i think again like a, a lot of customers a lot of marketers were very happy with kind of like the simplicity of single platform single dashboards this is what i look at i don't need to think too much even though it was never really enough it was always you needed more uh, data points uh for decision making um, and it was never just about a last click. Mm. Yeah, some of these changes, I think, are almost a catalyst that have forced people to address the elephant in the room, which was something that was coming up anyway. I remember eBay did a pretty famous uh, interruption test with their brand advertising and their performance advertising on web search a few years ago. That was before any of these changes to the Apple ecosystem companies were starting to become aware of some of the challenges with just the brute force last touch approach. But the challenge, I think, underlying all of this is the way last touch attribution looks and the way some of these next generation models, and I know we're not getting into the incrementality versus MMM model, but I collect them together for the purposes of this answer. They don't look the same. They are not a drop-in replacement for most of these marketers who spent the last decade learning how to work with last touch data. So it has some interesting parallels to getting people to upgrade to the new version of SK Ad Network. The old one is working okay. And until I'm forced to do something else, I'm probably not going to invest that effort unless there's a really big reward. By the way, it's it's funny that you, you call incrementality and MMM next gen, <clears throat> but we both know <laughs> going MMM is... going back to the future. Next so generation. M MMM is like from the sixties or seventies. Yeah. Incrementality using experiments was always there. I think attribution it was next gen, is next gen. It's basically, you know, the ability to do some sort of a user tracking. And by the way, earlier when you're talking about like uh, the scrutiny Apple would get from the market, so I once like dissected a couple of the privacy Apple ads and it's kind of like the the way they position to consumers what people do with their IDFA is like oh my god like, I, we don't mm. do that like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a television watcher so I didn't realize that this this video skit they released a couple weeks ago with the Ted Lasso actor I didn't realize that that was supposed to be a famous guy. I just thought this is some dude off the street they've they've pulled for the purposes of this ad. But one of my colleagues pointed out at the end of that ad, you know, they never mentioned that the guy following around all day in the blue shirt is your iPhone who gets to see everything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, thanks for your answers. We're going to jump to the next hypothetical, uh, which is a little less controversial, I think, um, mm. and maybe maybe a little more possible as well. Um, mm. 
What if, while we're talking, there is an announcement, I don't know, TechCrunch or whatever, basically saying Google reduces the App Store fees to developers to 5%. So I think this one is a case where if we're ranking the likelihood of this hypothetical, um, still less than even odds, but definitely not zero, unlike, unlike the previous example. I think Google has no reason to do this yet. But it's one of the things that I could imagine them reassessing if it's like the regulatory context of the market changed or something, because we, we've started to see that a little bit in some specific markets around the world. I think South Korea has a, a recent regulation. There was something in the Netherlands last year. But essentially, so far, those have been one-offs that both Google and Apple have been able to deal with one-off ad hoc responses. But if eventually this pressure heats up enough that there's not enough incentive for Google to keep putting their fingers in all the holes to get this extra 10%. And especially if they then see that the goodwill of giving in here and reducing the number of headaches for themselves is no longer paying off. I think I think I could see them going for it. Um, it put a lot of pressure on Apple to respond for sure. And I know the preset... Be... Do you think it's going to be regulation that what is what essentially increases those odds of this happening? I haven't seen anything else that I think would do more to increase those odds. I think if we if we think about who's going to be most affected by this, almost by process of elimination, it's not the small indie studios. And those are mostly iOS first or even iOS only anyway. I think those, those companies, they're generally okay under the current model. They're the ones who benefit from Apple being a one-stop shop for their distribution and payment and everything else. And uh, they don't have a huge brand or a huge team. You know, it's like 10 or 15 people working on, on a, a standalone app. I also think it's not probably going to be the big brands to a great extent. They they couldn't, and I think probably the precept of your question here is what would happen if Google did this, but Apple didn't? These big brands, they can't afford to leave iOS because too many of their customers are there. And also they're probably not generally monetizing by in-app purchases in the first place, they're, they're, they're falling under the categories that are allowed to use standard uh, other transaction approaches. So the category that does get most affected would be this quote-unquote reader apps category. And in particular, I think businesses who would like to be in the model of a reader app where they're, they're allowing content consumption, but their business model doesn't allow for a 30% margin off the top to go to Apple because their own margins are already a single digit percent or something. If they had currently not been able to survive on the app store because of those economic realities. And then suddenly this 5% commission rate makes it possible on Android. That could be an interesting shift if it's not equally possible on iOS. So earlier I was trying to think for myself, like what could increase the chances. And most of it would be like, um, like I basically stopped my line of thought because it would be like anti-competitive uh, means that let's say they did it and said, okay, um, you got a 5% but you need to monetize only with Google products, which like no way that would fly. On the other hand, I'm thinking about it and you have, you have pretty big like uh, names like Netflix, like Spotify, that um, their whole um, purchase doesn't go through the app store, right? It goes through a mm -hmm. web store. Okay. And there is some kind of a break in the user funnel. 
we don't know what it is. These are very big names. Everybody has a Netflix account or most people, like a lot of people do. Um, so I don't think that's really like a deterrent. On the other hand, it might increase the percent. So it could essentially make it more lucrative for these companies to go, you know what? I might as well just use the Google Play Store connector uh, mm. for payment because it's only 5%. So maybe in the long uh, run, it would actually be beneficial for Google. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because if you just add up the percentage fee for standard business operations, that's always been the justification for the App Store Commission rate in the first place. It's just that most people, well, not most people, many people are starting to point out that the combined percentage you would pay to vendors not named Apple or Google if you're trying to stand up this stack your own uh, self these days is much lower than it would have been 10 years ago when the App Store was sort of this magical solution for things that couldn't otherwise be done. Those those combined fees, they perhaps don't add up to 30%, but it's quite possible they would add up to more than five, especially when you uh, include how easy it is to transact with an App Store uh, account compared to putting your payment information in separately. So I think this is a, an interesting point. If it were 5%, that might be low enough to trigger some interesting movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what could think? Uh, I think we asked this. Like, what could increase the chances? So, in your perspective, in your perspective, it's more regulatory. That's the only lever that I've seen so far that seems significant enough to cause an effect here, because it's not going to be market pressure. That that's been happening for a long time at this point. Nothing's nothing's shifting. And I don't not... think there's. No. Go ahead. Sorry. I don't think there's going to be any sort of competitive alternative. So it's not going to come from the developers like doing a walkout on any of these platforms. Uh, there's no other feasible app store that breaks up the duopoly. So it's either going to come from straight up regulation that says you cannot charge a percentage this high, or it will come through some sort of you must offer an alternative. And then that alternative is compelling enough that customers start to, like the end users, start to shift. Those are the only two things I could think of. By the today. way, I had, a, I had a different hypothetical for, like I asked this to other people, what if the app stores change the model and now it's a million dollar to get your app published? No fees are taken. It's kind of like death, death for indies. That would be absolutely death for indies. Most of these companies, they probably don't see a hundred a million dollars in revenue ever in the entire lifetime of their app. When there was some some statistic, and I'm forgetting the exact number, but the amount of app store revenue that goes to the top one percent of apps is shockingly high. Like the uh, the the indies are not really contributing to Apple's bottom line here. Well, that's not really a big surprise. We both know that, like, again, without marketing budgets, you can't really get your app uh, out there. There is like, what is it like? Um, like an Among Us is one in a million. A Flappy mm -hmm. Bird is one in a million. Actually, m probably less than one in a, a billion. It's the App Store lottery. I think that's probably a good way to think of it. And it brings us back full circle to for as long as the constriction point is the App Store it's very difficult to do marketing that transcends the app store, hence branch and deep linking, but we've still got a long way to go.
by the way, this is a perfect segue <laughs> to the <laughs> last question. Um, so, you know, we, we talked about it. iPhone 1 didn't have an App Store. Um, pretty sure iPhone 2 didn't have an App Store as well. I can't remember if apps, iPhone 3 had. But anyways, what if a couple of years from now um, we get into iOS 18 and Apple goes with a wild announcement? Okay, no more App Store. Demand only app clips. Um, that's pretty much the way to go. I think this would be super exciting, actually, this hypothetical. And again, likelihood of this happening low. I mean, rightly or wrongly, I think Apple clearly believes that these consumers, these end users, they want a curated experience for their app discovery. So like they want the Yahoo experience before Google came along. They want the, they want the directory that's manually curated and they don't really want anything like page rank for app discovery. Apple wants to control this, but yeah, iOS 18. First question is what happened to iOS 17? But oh, um, no, we like likely, <laughs> likely this would not happen in 17. So, uh, but going back actually to the like original uh, question, you said low, but mm -hmm. is it zero? I don't know if it's zero because of some of these broader shifts around. And again, we're coming back to regulation as the forcing function here, but especially in Europe, or even actually there's something going through the US right now, but the the potential requirement that a non-official app store be allowed on these devices. I I could imagine a hypothetical world in which Apple is so incentivized to avoid that happening that maybe allowing, like just getting rid of the app store period is the pressure release compromise that allows them to avoid being forced to open up iOS that way. And there's a lot of details I think you'd have to think through about, does that make sense? But if if they don't want to allow you know a separate center of gravity to, to build the, in opposition to the app store, then maybe just getting rid of app stores and saying app stores are not permitted on iOS, everything must be sideloaded, but still go through our security review or something. That might be a very interesting hypothetical. And by the way, again, you still have Apple Pay. So like theoretically, it wouldn't really hurt their bottom line if you look at the mm -hmm. App Store revenue as, a, as an important pillar these days. Um, so again, it's not zero. Yeah, but I think there's also some of these things that might migrate out of StoreKit because StoreKit is stuff that's related to the store. And maybe it becomes more like Google's Play Store, a Play Store services model, where you can make use of something like a centralized on-device billing method. And it's no longer tied to the store. Now it's tied to your device. And so you can still like rely on some operating system provided method to process payment. Apple Pay is one of them, but maybe there's something specifically for apps that is not Apple Pay and comes with a commission, but it doesn't go through the app store as the single point of failure anymore. Now let's go for a couple of like uh, follow-up questions here. So who's going to be the biggest winners, losers? Uh, if Apple gets rid of uh, app stores? Yeah, goes into Ooh. app clips. I think uh, biggest losers would probably be some of the long tail companies that don't have brand recognition on their own, but do have 
Apple's recognition. You're the ones who often get featured on the App Store page or get the design awards or something where they are basically benefiting from free marketing via the App Store because they've done something that brings them to Apple's attention. I think the... Uh, so th those would be the biggest losers if the App Store is no longer the, uh, the, the, the front door of the app ecosystem. Biggest winners... I think it's probably companies that already have brand recognition with their own customers, because in most cases, if you're Spotify or, or Netflix or something, the app store is at best an unavoidable friction point that's just going to cause a certain fraction of users to drop off along the way. So anything that allows that friction point to be removed and shortens the user journey so that there are fewer clicks is going to improve your conversion funnel. Uh, basically, you know, the App Store is the Google of these days. Um, you know, mm -hmm. It's like, again, on your computer, you want to look for a restaurant, you go to Google and you look for restaurants. And maybe you maybe you end up in a website that has a directory of restaurants around you, or at best, you're just going, going to Google Maps. The App Store, if you want to find a restaurant, download an app. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that shows you interesting with reviews so it's like the whole experience is quite shifted on the app store interestingly enough that it hasn't really shifted on desktop or laptops like in fact it's almost going the opposite direction a lot of apps on desktop now are migrating to you know web apps figma jira all of these things that used to be native development are now you know going back to the web browser it's kind of interesting and you're pointing out a, i think the your question has an interesting assumption built in that I'm not sure I actually picked up on the beginning. If you're saying kill the app store and go exclusively to app clips, I think there's two branches, pun not intended, of what that could mean. One of them could be apps go away and only app clips, these much smaller, you know, download on demand, and then they aren't really installed. You just download them when you need them experiences. That's one approach. I assume a more likely and still in the land of hypothetical, but less crazy option is actually you can continue to install apps that live on your device. It's just that you can do it without going to the app store first. Yeah. So there's maybe there's yeah. maybe three options in this hypothetical world. Uh, like in this regard, by the way, so I think it's also close to kind of the, the whole idea of like third-party app stores in a way. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you that like, First of all, there is a benefit to like curated apps. I think that's why I'm on an iPhone. I don't know what device you're on, but yes, you're, you're also on an iPhone. I've, I've spent yes. way too much on these indie apps that I really like. Yeah. So again, kind of like we're locked in, but we're probably also locked in because the experience is seamless. Um, and as long Just as the experience, extent. yeah, as long as the experience remains quite seamless, then if I don't need, and honestly, I hate the app store, like the app store sucks. Hmm. I rarely download apps to the app store. I'll search for them somewhere else. Yeah, it's just very hard. If you want to like find something new, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have I have nothing to add there other than agreement. <laughs> um, let's see what's going to be the effect on branch if this happens. Most of our customers are going to fall in that that cohort of companies that already have brand recognition so they are establishing the relationship with their their end users outside of the app store they're using the app as some some 
almost like a utility to facilitate this relationship. Maybe it's ordering food that you then go pick up in a store, or it's buying something online that's going to be delivered to your house, or it's uh, depositing a check in your account. All of these things where the app is just a utility rather than, for example, compared to casual gaming, where you download the app and the whole purpose is to use the app and nothing else. So most of our comp uh, company customers are already going to have this relationship, which means they fall in this group of, the app store is just an obnoxious thing that gets in the way of the consumer getting our app when they've already decided they want it. Yeah. It's not really anything other than that. Yeah. No, again, I agree there. Again, if I go to Starbucks's website, I might as well just download the app clip or um, yeah, directly from there and not need to go to mm -hmm. an app store in order to download the app, which is yeah. basically another step, a distraction, a process. A... You're standing in line at Starbucks and you want to download the app so that you can order a coffee. Yeah. The best possible outcome is you scan the QR code and five seconds later, the app pops up and you make your order. Anything else in that journey is just irritating. And right now there's at least three extra steps because you have to open the app store page. You have to click install. You have to wait for that. You have to go back to the home screen. You have to click the app to open it. Like nothing there is value add. So yeah. for a company that has brand recognition already, it's actually and by the way, it's, it, so the reason why I came up with this hypothetical and why I also don't think it's like zero, again, I don't think it's 50% for sure. I'm kind of like with you on the odds front. Like Apple did launch this feature, App Clips. So it's there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I've used App Clips and they, they are legitimately cool. Like when they work, they work really well. And basically the limitation is they're technically hard to, or technically different to build. And there's a limit to how big they can be. So you can't put the whole app functionality there. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, kind of like when I, when I look back, um, SK Ed Network, there was an SK, there was an SK Ed Network 1.0. I don't remember when mm -hmm. it was, but 2017, 18. It was iOS 11. Yeah. It was ages ago. Yeah. And I remember when, when it was launched and reading about it, I was uh, at an Ed Network back then. It immediately struck me that this could be disruptive. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not in its first form. It was horrific. And let's face it, 2.0 was also pretty horrific. But I think once they put some resources on it, like for sure, they put like more than one person on it, um, it did become better. So maybe if app clips suddenly rise up or, you know, the idea of third party app store gets pushed down to Apple, maybe the whole idea of app clips starts getting more development features and yeah. grows so that's it why could. i came up with a hypothetical it's not it's not completely out there it's i think it's a fascinating hypothetical and i'm guessing you've probably watched the matrix and it's it's sequels my metaphor for this is the first version of SCAD network in this case the first version of app clips it's like those <laughs> those weird i albino agent prototypes that show up in the second film and they just like they're the previous generation of the matrix i think that could happen <laughs> apple likes to prototype things sometimes <laughs> yeah i love the analogy by the way um cool so alex Thank you very much for your time. It's been an pleasure. Absolute, absolute pleasure going into these hypotheticals. Um, I wish that we had more time. I would throw in the Elon Musk crazy hypothetical uh, to you if we had more time. But anyways, uh, we'll keep it for another conversation. Episode number two in the series.
<laughs> cool. So thank you so much and have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Mara. It's been it's been great. I, I enjoyed this conversation. I think the hypotheticals are fascinating, even if all of them are kind of low on the odds. But who knows? We should check back in a year and see what's happened. Okay, we'll do that. So thank you very much. Uh,